Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, it's Dustin from the HP Podcast. And this is Ben. We're just coming here to tell you about our show, well, the HP Podcast. The HP Podcast is a weekly video game podcast from HandsomeFandom.com that's also part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And... Ben, it's a little hard to describe our show because it's a little bit of everything. We get into a lot of shenanigans. We also talk about some news. We have some pretty serious topics sometimes. But sometimes uh, our friend Brandon takes a shirt off and uh, just does the show that way. So you should definitely check it out. I think you got stuck to the seat last time. It's possible. So that was that was a time. Yeah. So anyway, check out our show. We would love that. The HP podcast. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 97 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who gives a love who gives love a bad name, Robert Workman. This is a love story between a man and a plate of buffalo wings. Robert <laughs> Workman stars in Fifty Shades Wings, coming this summer. What will the Sichuan sauce think? <laughs> yes, why not? You know, it's just that's all I'm doing on Valentine's Day. But this show is about couples, and we have a couple of great guests on the show tonight. We're actually a couple, don't we, David? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so with us is Nick Shively, who is the guy who runs MMOGames.com, and uh, also Lori Diorenzo, who is uh, you know, who, who is his wife and everything. And uh, so, I want to say hi there, guys. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. His wife and everything? Just say his, his wife. Everything. His wife. And everything. All that. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you're the wife, you are everything. So, yeah. That's, I, that's how I took it. So, we're good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll be at like a PAX party. David's going to be right. Hey, have you met Nick and his wife and everything? Lori? And everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will start introducing her like that. Yeah. Here's my this wife. This is Lori and, and everything. everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It all kind of like flows together. Absolutely. We're not even minutes in. It's gonna be that kind of show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just gonna be like a lot of fun with this, you know, with this being like our, um, you know, just like our like Valentine's episode, basically. So we're gonna be talking about like uh, about like um, you know favorite love stories in gaming, as well as like our favorite couples in gaming, as well. Since you know we, we do have like our favorite couple in gaming right here, anyway. So we may as well kind of get Aww. into that. Uh, so before we hit that, though, we do have the news to hit, and uh, there is a bit of news to kind of follow up with what we've been talking about. Before Robert, uh, in regards to Billy Mitchell and the whole uh, score scandal, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting out of hand. Billy Mitchell went and appeared on this show that I've never heard of, East Side Dave Show. Um, and he went with his buddy Richie Knuckles. He insisted that Richie go in order to, I guess, su- provide support or anything like that. In case you guys missed it, Billy Mitchell's been going through some accusations uh, in regards to some people saying his Donkey Kong score was done on a MAME emulator, and that's a big no-no by Twin Galaxy standards. So that's under investigation, and Billy decided to clear up his name on the show, like I said, I've never heard of, with support and everything like that. And his comments have been... Cryptic to say the least. I mean, he he's trying to justify everything, but it just doesn't sound like he really has an answer, David. Uh, I really don't know what to make of this. Yeah, because no, I I remember hearing about his uh, basically his response to this whole like news, like with him faking a score, at least like um, having his scores be through like a through Mame emulator as opposed to like, the actual original arcades uh, har- arcade arcade software or, or like mm-hmm. ar- like arcade hardware, I should say. And um, it is uh, it, you know I heard about it actually through. Uh, um, uh, through like a mutual friend of mine, uh, through the um, was it the like freelance like journalists uh, Facebook group basically who, who actually scored like a, like an interview actually with Billy Mitchell in regards to these accusations and um, like like one thing I kind of like like you know just like took from him actually is the fact that he wanted to kind of make it like you know. Uh, up front, basically, that he's not like a uh, technical guy or anything. So basically, anything that he says is not going to be um, something that you should kind of like take to heart, I guess, in a sense, which is immediately almost like a red flag to me. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I'll, he has like someone else kind of like, you know, kind of help him out, like, as you mentioned there with like Richie Knuckles and everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I guess, like more of like the tech support guy and everything to kind of help explain things as far as like how it's being read. And um, mm-hmm. apparently, the excuse is that the the tape that you know that that showed like his scores anything that's like above like a million basically that's kind of like, the big thing in question is that he's never broken over a million legitimately uh is that the feed was actually kind of taken into account like what was on screen as opposed to what was kind of taken from the hardware itself so it's mm-hmm. going to load differently in that sense because that's kind of the big thing with it um you know where like the way that it loaded signified that it was coming from a main emulator as opposed to from arcade uh, arcade hardware so in other words a runaround Yes. He's really yeah. <laughs> not justifying anything. He's just like, well, this came from a screen and a secondary thing in an arcade somewhere in North Carolina. And, and, and I believe she saw it and everything. I don't know. It just it kind of happened. I, <laughs> I know, right? So, I mean, he's making excuses instead of like, look, I'm a high score champion. Let me prove it. Get him in front of a Donkey Kong machine. Simple. I said this last week. If Billy Mitchell really wants to prove he's all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> which apparently he thinks or a, ba- or a bottle of barbecue sauce, I guess. Yeah. Um, he should really just get in front of a machine. Okay. Cause there has all been all these allegations about he goes to tournaments, but he doesn't play the game for tournament play. He quote unquote helps out other players. He doesn't really prove his high score in public anywhere, except for a few key witnesses like Rob was there or the technical director or the, or the mechanic or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Can you get in front of a machine and show us even on Twitch, just do a broadcast on Twitch and show us. That's what Steve Wiebe did. Like when they had E3 several years ago, Steve Wiebe stood in front of Patrick Scott Patterson's Donkey Kong machine and he proved he could be a high scoring champion. Billy Mitchell has never done that. So I can only take this information with a grain of salt. You know, Billy wants to prove himself. He's like, I've got proof coming up. Well, fantastic. It's probably another monitor, you know? Right. Wonderful. Exactly, get, yeah. Get of a machine. Prove it. Any any well-knowing high score champion or, or Street Fighter champion or anybody like that will prove their worth in the ring. They will not let some monitor from 1982 do it. 
I mean, if somebody is, is that good, it shouldn't be you know difficult for him to at least get close during a live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because there's been so many allegations recently about high scores being um, invalidated. Um, you know, it was just uh, a couple weeks ago with the uh, Todd Rogers yes. uh, Twin Galaxy thing going on where his scores were invalidated as well. Yeah, but that yeah. was more of a circumstance of like he sent in the scores, I think, by like a picture or something like that. And that wasn't really the kind of solid evidence they were looking for. And he took it with a lot more grain of salt. He's like, I understand it's not going to be acknowledged. No, I do think the process is a little wonky, but I understand why they did it. Whereas Billy is like, oh, no, this isn't happening. What the? No, no, no. I, I have all this proof somewhere. Proof, proof, everybody. Proof. Right. Yeah. Uh, Lori, I, I was kind of curious, like, if you had like any opinion on like, uh, like Billy Mitchell and like this whole story in general. Well, it's all relatively new to me, but just listening to um, what you guys have been talking about and reading the the little blurbs that I have here and there, my only thought process is, okay, let's just say that this guy can't bring the goods and can't do it in front of a, a bunch of people. Maybe does this guy have like high anxiety? Is that his whole thing? But if you're going to be competing, you have to at some point be able to show that to everybody. I mean, you can't just you know, do it in the comfort of your home or your garage or whatever, and then just be like, oh, look what I did. So I kind of feel like either way, he needs to come to the table with a little bit more. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I think like a lot of it is is actually kind of protecting his own legacy in a lot of ways because like he's he's using the you know like his name and like his like persona basically like with the like American tie like um you know like and just like with uh with his kind of over the top personality and like with the hair and everything like just like mm-hmm. his his look and everything he's kind of promoting that which became popularized because of the King of Kong and just like with the, you know with Donkey Kong scores in general to kind of sell like his own stuff namely like his uh, his barbecue sauce um, so I feel like kind of part of that is to keep with the mystique that like oh he is this like major retro gaming high score whiz guy whatever uh, but it, he, he never I, I guess like uh, has felt the need or felt the urgency I guess to really prove it to kind of like really discount um, you know people's doubts and everything and like there are obviously like a lot of doubts especially with this new story kind of breaking out and especially with uh, with Roger's score being uh, being discounted as well mm-hmm. I feel like that I... can only take you so far though so he's gonna you know I guess we'll just have to wait and see what he decides to do in the upcoming weeks or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what it was like back in the older days, it was easier to take somebody's word for it. Like I'm the Donkey Kong champion. Huzzah. You know, that sort mm-hmm. of deal. But now these days with like more esports and more competitions taking place and everything like that, people are examining these records and like, wait a minute, nobody made a 5.51 in dragster or wait a minute, Billy Mitchell never stood in front of a Donkey Kong machine and proved himself. I don't get it. Why don't they do that? And then all these questions come out, and thanks to the internet, ball starts rolling, and next thing you know, doubt enters the picture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess we'll, have to, we'll you know, we'll have to like wait and see, like if Billy does actually try to prove in front of an audience, just just like how Steve Weeby did, like in order to kind of show that he can bring the goods, uh, you know, as far as like with a with a Donkey Kong high score, um, mm-hmm. or if he just doesn't care and would rather keep people guessing, and um, you know, kind of like almost. I guess, like, you know, not not to make things political, but almost kind of, like, turn it into, like, with uh, with Trump and the tax returns and everything. It's like, well, I shouldn't do anything shady, <laughs> but you're just going to have to take my word for it. You know? so, fake news. Fake it's, news. It's, all, it's all fake news, exactly. You yeah. have to be Discord in order to get in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, oh. So to, to move into something, like, a little less controversial is uh, just some uh, micro-retro gaming, basically. So uh, there was, like, this, um, this like, product that came up on Kickstarter called Pocket Sprite. Uh, which is basically kind of like a tiny open source Game Boy, more or less. That uh, is kind of like a keychain size, basically. So, we, we, like, uh, like I know, like for for you and I, Robert, like we, we've we've seen uh, some like 
I don't know, like some like retro gaming experiences that can be taken on the go, like namely like those like uh, yeah. tiny little like arcade cabinets and stuff. But this is like something that that you know that truly could be like kind of taken on the go, especially with the Game Boy uh, like uh, architecture and everything. Yeah, you know, like the Game Boy Micro kind of proved that you know you could have miniature sized gaming and everything like that. But this looks even smaller than that. I mean, like I got big ass thumbs. What's going to stop me from hitting both up both buttons <laughs> at once? Yeah, it's super it's cute. Tiny. It's so tiny. Just looking at it, I'm like, how would I even play that myself? Yeah, he's <laughs> like thumbtacks or something like to play it and stuff yeah <laughs> you use like tweezers and everything okay go <laughs> right <laughs> but uh yeah it, you know it's really cool it's you know it's certainly like really cute and everything and something to i guess kind of like get you like your retro gaming fix and certainly you know certainly like your gaming fix as well uh, or like your game boy fix i should say um you know like that's like on the go and everything because since it is um it is like kind of meant to be a uh, like a keychain basically sort of thing so uh i'll be like concerned though like you know with it being a keychain and with it being like this I don't know, pretty sophisticated piece of like, uh, you know, it's like piece of hardware and everything that it is, uh, you know, that, that would kind of get like scratched up or damaged in some way, just being like with my keys and everything. I wouldn't necessarily want to like this near my keys, but at the same time, like the novelty of it is like, you know, certainly can't be denied. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool. And then, you know, certainly cute, as I mentioned, so. That's yeah. when you upsell and you start to get some sort of a protector for it. And then they can make even more money. See, that's how they get you with things like that. That is mm-hmm. true, too. Although I'm not sure if they're thinking that far ahead, but that is certainly something to keep in mind as far as like a marketing I went standpoint. there for them. <laughs> to me, it seems more like a, a conversation starter than like something you'd actually be using on a regular basis. I mean, people, will, you pull out your keys and like, oh, you know, what is that? You know, it looks like a little Game Boy. And then you talk about it because like when you're watching the guy play it, like, I feel like I'm getting a cramp just watching him. The buttons are so <laughs> tiny and the screen is so tiny. Um, and especially when we've, you know, we've all got our cell phones and, you know, our cell phones are, you know, as powerful as, you know, laptops are basically. And you can play all kinds of games on your phone. Like it's, it seems more like a, like, like a novelty thing than something that you would actually pick up to game on. Yeah, it really does. But I'll tell you what would be practical if uh, Nintendo did like a mini switch. <laughs> I think that might that that'd probably work pretty well, you know, depending on how you like use the Joy Cons or whatever. But it, it's kind of a neat idea. I mean, they're they're used to being shrinking down machines. You know, first we had the NES, and then we had the NES top loader that was smaller, and then of course the Super Nintendo shrunk down and all that stuff. So you never know. We we might get a Switch that can work as a keychain. You never know. <laughs> it, it might it might be something like maybe like twenty or thirty years like like down the line if you were to see something maybe. like that. Yeah, the, the Switch Mini in you know two thousand thirty. Uh, but yeah, like you know, it's, it's certainly something to kind of like check out, and like something if uh, you know if you do enjoy gaming on the go, uh, certainly like another option for that. And you know, with it, with it being like open source as well, you can basically load it up with any sort of games that you want that could fit on the thing, uh, which is pretty neat. So definitely check that out. Um, another thing to check out also, like kind of keep with the whole uh, you know whole like retro gaming theme, um, is like with N- with N sixty four. So there's like a new new slash not new like n64 platformer that kind of popped up on kickstarter uh this is actually like a cancel game that is being uh kind of like research you know having like a resurgence if you will uh on kickstarter called 40 winks and uh this is basically like an n64 style 3d platformer uh that hasn't seen the light of day until just recently now like with it with being on kickstarter and it's already made like its kickstarter goal and uh it's got like 28 days to go so it'll be interesting to see like how far this will go yeah the thing about it is is like this did this game did come out. It came out for PlayStation, but I think the, like the Nintendo 64 version kind of fell by the wayside, okay. if I recall correctly. So, I mean, it, it is kind of cool to see it getting a second. I mean, I mean, like we're in this market in which 
a lot of old school games seem to be coming back either as like repros or or doing some sort of thing in regards to um you know getting remade like this through that but yeah it originally released for playstation and i guess the nintendo 64 version it was supposed to be ideal for it but i guess somewhere in the middle like um the project got canceled there's another one uh for sega genesis we'll talk about a little bit later today but it's just kind of cool how these um how these teams are finding like this old code and be like you know what this would be a great release for x you know or, or whatever the system is was 40 winks uh popular on the playstation because i remember it coming out as a kid but I feel like it released probably around the same time as Spyro, and they were similar mm. games, and Spyro just appealed to me a lot that, That's a big problem. Is like the PlayStation was plagued with all these wannabe platformers. You know, when Crash and, and Spyro and all them came out, every developer was like, you know what, we can do our own platformer too, and all of a sudden we had too many platformers to choose from. So it came out, but I don't think it sold as well, and I think that's probably what led to the original cancellation of the Nintendo 64 game. It, it's just it wasn't popular enough to really justify it's released on that platform. But I guess this team, um, I believe their name is Pico Interactive there, David? Yes, yeah. So Pico yeah. Uh, Pico Interactive is actually the company that, uh, that actually recently did like, the resurgence of, um, of like, Retro Magazine as well. And uh, I, I actually personally know, like, the, you know, the, the, um, like, the guy who runs, like, the company and everything. So it's, uh, I know he's kind of, like, have, has, like, a passion for, like, uh, you know, for, like, um, having, like, resurgence of, like, games that either haven't come out or had, like, limited releases or what have you. Uh, so I actually didn't even know that 40 Winks, you know, did come out for PS1. That's, that's how, I don't know, how much that this game was on my radar, pretty much. And, um, I, you know, I, I guess it did come out and just kind of, like, came and gone. Because as you mentioned there, Robert, like, with, the, you know, with there being so many of these, like, types of games back in those days... Uh, mm-hmm. This just did not really like break out in any sort of big way. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do, I guess, with the N64 port now that it is actually finally coming out. And um, it's it's funny to see like how popular it is too, just because again, like I just don't know anyone who even like even made a passing reference to this game whatsoever. Hmm. Um, so it, it's it's kind of interesting. But like you know, like the fact that there you know that the that the N64 version was supposed to come out and it was actually reviewed as well. It was actually reviewed in magazines, including Nintendo Power, and even had a, a strategy guide actually made for it as well. But it was actually canceled at the last minute. And as you mentioned there, Robert, like I think maybe part of it was because of how lackluster it was on the PS1. Yeah, and I think it was like, you know, at the time, you if you didn't make a platformer that was on the same level as Crash, as Spyro, it really wasn't worth bothering with. You know, there are some games that kind of pushed up that level, but 40 Winks, if I recall, it had a unique theme, but it was a bit slow. And it just really didn't match up with, like, the tempo that people wanted from 3D platformers, which is why a re-release now is going to be interesting. Because, you know, you have these people who are picking up N64s like Matt. They're getting more into retro gaming than ever before, which is kind of cool, even though, like, GameStop's charging, what, 90 bucks for a system or something, whatever. But (laughs) um, it's just really cool to see people showing interest in the N64 side of things again. Heck, I I saw an article on, like, this Onion-style page the other day where, like, dormitory, suddenly they've discovered four people were playing GoldenEye 007 for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, li- it's a little crazy. And, uh, and honestly, like, um, like, you know, like another interesting thing, too, is uh, I, was on, I was on Twitter and I saw Will Overton, like who, uh, who used to work for, uh, for Rare, actually. Um, I, I, you know, I follow him on, on Twitter and he, he made mention of 40 Winks in light of the, of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, saying like how uh, how internally Rare actually called the game something else all throughout like its, its development, and um, when I kind of followed up with him about it, he said that they called it Sleepy Time, which um, <laughs> isn't exactly the most original name, and 
I, I, I kind of like the name 40 Winks, like, especially for, like, a game that's about sleeping and about, like, being in dreams and, you know, mm-hmm. like, basically kind of turning into things based on your dreams or whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it was just kind of interesting to kind of follow up as far as, like, what the thinking was kind of going into as, like, development of this game was going on. Um, and I guess we're, we're finally getting the game that no one really asked for. So I guess we'll see, like, how it turns <laughs> out in this case. So um, as far as, like, another game, too, that's, that's coming out for a retro console and even more retro console in this case is uh, Tanglewood on Genesis. So uh, this is something that I believe that you brought to my attention, Robert. And uh, it looks really, really cool, especially with the fact that you play as a fox first off. And foxes are, like, my favorite animal of all time. So, like, I'm instantly gravitated towards that. Uh, but also the fact that this fox actually kind of floats around as if he's, uh, he's Knuckles Sonic 3, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his design is is pretty unique, and um, apparently uh, the developer behind the game, they, they felt it was a challenge to get the game made for the classic Genesis hardware, because you know, like, development kits, they're very rare unless you, like, do some classic game hunting or anything like that, but it, it's kind of unique how they were able to put it together and all that stuff, and from what I've seen so far, it does look pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and um, yeah, it, it's just really neat, like just with the um, you know, with the animation of it, and, like how it looks. Like it, it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of how um, how like the Lion King was made on Genesis, and like uh, yeah, just, just with the way that the, that the fox moves, and uh, just with the expressions and all that stuff. It's just really, really neat. Uh, I was, I was kind of curious on, on what you guys think of it. There, uh, you know, there, Nick and Lori. Um, well, it seems like foxes are kind of a, a theme lately. Wasn't there just an indie platformer that came out that featured a fox that you know, yeah, kind of along the same presence? I, I, yeah. I, I know there's Rhyme, and there's also Super Lucky's Tale on the Xbox Super One. Super Lucky's well. Tale, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely looks cute. I don't know too much about it. I'm actually just looking at it as you guys are talking right now. But, um, I mean, again, you know, Fox seems to be the uh, the big thing recently. I remember, what was it, PAX, that last one we were at when we saw the other two? Uh, games and and I was drawn to both of them visually just because oh look it's a cute fox. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there, there's a, a lot that you know people can be attracted to it just based off of that. So it's new to me, but I mean I'm I'm always up for you know something retro bringing bringing it back. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, plus plus uh I, you know I guess you can you can also include Star Fox too since that technically came mm-hmm. out officially anyway you know just recently so. Yeah, and now all we need is uh, Star Fox Zero to come to Nintendo Switch with control options. Mm. <laughs> yeah. To go. yeah. And uh, I mean, I was a big fan of the Sega growing up. Um, it's interesting that I'd never heard of this game either. It's uh, um, Well, it's a brand new game, actually. So like, it, it, Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. I was thinking yeah, it was a re-release, like 40 yeah. ranks. No, no, no. Okay. So was I. Okay, got it. And, and, and the fascinating <laughs> thing, I, I did just find this out. The guy actually built his own development kit to create this that runs on a mega cd yes. that's devotion running it on a powered cool. by a windows 95 computer now that's the throwback yes like, yeah. any computers you, that run windows 95 <laughs> do you think this is something that will eventually be ported to steam um, i just feel like that's something that would be really easy you know if i mean since it's a brand new game with brand new code yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm sure it could, but as far as I know, like especially with like a lot of like developers who kind of like go this route where they're actually making games based on like the original hardware that they were like originally intended to be on, uh, they usually don't. Um, like, cause I, I know there's also um, I forget the name of the company, but like there's a company that makes uh, what's that game there, Robert? Like Halloween. Um, um, yeah, uh, you're talking about Haunted Halloween. Haunted 86. Halloween A6. Yeah, like they actually used like the original NES like hardware to make that game, as well as uh, as well as like the there was the, there was a game before that one which was Haunted Halloween '85. Um, so like they're all kind of like meant to be playing on that original hardware. Like, you know, there's uh, other games like that too. There's like a Dreamcast game that I can't think of as well uh, that was like that, but. Um, 
you know, there might be something that maybe like down the road, like if they wish to kind of like, you know, give it more exposure or whatever, or if it does well enough as far as like, you know, as far as like it's um, like marketing and everything uh, that they might bring it over to like, you know, say like PS4 or switch or whatever. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, I, I can certainly see like this game, like doing like very well on switch, just what, you know, just with the very nature of it and everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see, but uh, it would be really cool to see. Cause like, it's always neat to see, you know, just kind of brand new games based on like the actual original hardware and like actually working within those limitations. That's it's, it's always like amazing to to, uh, to see that be made. Just yeah. please don't be as hard as the original Lion King. I really don't need another head. <laughs> uh, that's, that was such a good game. Yeah, it was good, but man, I mean, like, quit falling off giraffe heads. <laughs> although, although one thing that um, that the Tanglewood does have over Lion King is the fact that it has a day night cycle, which uh, is really interesting for like a two D platformer. So. Um, so- yeah, so it's really neat to kind of see that, and uh, you know, I guess we'll see like how how it turns out and everything. Uh, you know, obviously, like I had like a, had like Kickstarter funding and everything, and like you know, it did it did really well with that. So, uh, so yeah, like you know, it'll be interesting to see like when it actually officially comes out. Uh, so, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was saying the reason why I brought up uh, a potential Steam release is because Sega has been very big on pla- um, transferring its games. Um, original Sega titles to Steam. If, I believe if you log in um, to the Sega website right now, you can actually get Shinobi for free um, on Steam. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shinobi, Revenge of Shinobi and Street Rage 2, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. With the make war not love thing or whatever it was. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> yeah, name of it, by the way. Yeah, because I, I know I know Sega has been making more of the games like on you know on their platforms uh, more readily available basically uh, for all, you know, all sorts of platforms all around like especially with Steam and um, yeah. yeah with like platforms like you know like beyond that too. But it's uh yeah, it's really neat and you know certainly a game to kind of look out for. So definitely look out for Tanglewood if you want to get your two D platforming uh, fix on. So. Um, and with that, uh, we do have the part of the show here called What Are You Playing? It gets into games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So uh, I guess we'll start off, uh, you know, ladies first, actually. So we'll have Lori start off and then Nick and then uh, Robert and me. So, uh, so, so Lori, what have you been playing? Well, I think the last thing that I played to completion was uh, Mario Odyssey. Oh, okay. And I actually really enjoyed it more than I thought that I was going to. And Nick and I played it together and I ended up playing Mario um, and I thought it would be the other way around, but uh, it was it was quite a bit of fun. I feel like he still had the ability to do quite a bit playing mm. as a hat, and I wasn't expecting that. I feel like there have been a lot of other games that have come out where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be this extra little side piece, and you don't really do anything except for sit there the whole entire time. So I was presently pleasantly surprised. I forgot that game that was uh, was was two player actually. Like mm-hmm. I, I was like for, just like forget about that. So like it, like, it, it worked really well. Like as far as like you know having like one person plays Mario, one play, uh, person plays Cappy. I think so. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was really interesting. Um, you know, usually in Mario games where you can both play at the same time, they're really frustrating, and it's less about playing cooperatively and more about like messing with the other person. Yeah, um, but this... each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had quite a few fights over uh, Super Mario on the Wii. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, it was, it, I mean, it seemed to work really well. And there were a lot of situations where we could help each other and do things that um, were a lot easier with two player than um, if we were just playing by ourselves. Um, like you could do the double jump easier. And um, it was easier for me to collect coins and things like that. Um, and it was, you know, there was enough going on that for the most part, like I felt like I was just as involved as she was. Cool. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. How about you there, Nick, as far as you know, what you've been playing? Uh, well, the big game that I've been playing uh, lately is Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh yeah, and it's such a good game. Like it's, in my opinion, it's the best two point five D fighter to come out in 
I don't even know. Like, it, it, it's just amazing. I mean, in the last decade, maybe. You know, it, it's it's so much fun. Um, it's such a good representation of the anime. Um, and it's such so fast-paced. It's, it's a lot different than a lot of the other fighters that we've been getting lately with, like, you know, things like Injustice or even Marvel vs. Capcom and Infinity. Um, it's just, it feels like an old-school... Like, it feels like something from the original Marvel series. Um, and then... I'm also playing uh, I Am Setsuna. I'm finally okay. decided to go back and uh, We just that. started playing that. Nice. That's great, yeah. How about you there, Robert? I'm on Crossing Souls still. Um, I talked about a little bit about last week. It's this That's 80s right. throwback title from Devolver Digital. It's like an action platforming game with a really great story and everything like that. These kids basically come across a, a dead body straight out of Stand By Me. I was and, just going to say. <laughs> yeah, and, and they discovered this like artifact that allows them to, to kind of cross over between the worlds of living and the world of the dead. They can see like ghosts in their world and everything like that. And It really revolves around a great little story with all these throwbacks and everything. There's even this stage. I love this. There's a stage where you're out running cars, and it's straight out of the Battletoads jet bike stage. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> if you're not careful, you will crash if you don't follow the on-screen instructions. So uh, <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just working on a couple of things, uh, a couple of shooters there. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it, actually, this one called Aegis Defenders for Nintendo Switch is really good. Mm. You switch off between characters and you go through this this intricate world where you you hit different switches and everything like that. It's almost like a variation of the Lost Vikings but with an 8-bit style of art, which okay. is really cool. So, I've been getting into that and other than that, I'm just waiting patiently to pick up Secret of Mana and Bayonetta yes. pack. I I need those. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Like a lot of people are, are excited for, uh, for for like Secret of Mana, like you know, with it being kind of like a remake, obviously of the, of the SNES game. And uh, I, I got to play a little bit of it during was it PAX West, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm. it, 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 was, it was really cool. It was, it was interesting, like with the fact that it has like voice acting and everything. Like so, I, I kind of get myself like a little more accustomed to that, I guess. But uh, it's, yeah. it, it's certainly really interesting. So uh, it's coming out really soon. Like it should be. I think it should be out by the time that this that this episode. Yeah. So, so definitely it should check be out, it out. by. It's on uh, the fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have sure. you been playing there, David? Uh, as far as what I've been playing, so I recently uh, actually modded my uh, my Super Nintendo Classic, so I've been kind of uh, getting into like a lot more retro gaming than I normally do. Actually, uh, starting off with uh, with the Fireman. Uh, so the Fireman was a game that was never released in the states. It only came out in Europe and Japan. Uh, it's basically a top-down firefighter simulator, basically. Uh, it was something I remember seeing, I think it was in, like, a European issue of Game Pro or some other equivalent magazine like that. Because I, I would get, like, a lot of, like, a lot of European magazines from my dad who, go, you know, who he would go to Ireland and he would come back. And also, since he knows I'm into video games and everything, he just kind of picked up, like, you know, his magazines, like, while he was there and stuff. And uh, I remember seeing this game in some magazine. It was likely from that and uh, it's really cool. Your base is kind of going around like with you and a, like an, and an AI assisted partner. I think you could do two player. I'm not 100. percent I haven't tested that out yet, but it's basically you and an AI partner going around fighting fires. And there's all sorts of different types of fires, so they're basically ty- different types of enemies, if you will, uh, where you have like kind of like fields that you know that you can kind of like just kind of spray down like a kind of like a, a widespread spray that's like just directly in front of you, or you could do like your long stream, basically kind of take out. Uh, some more of like the uh, heavier like fire like types or whatever like it's it's, it's pretty nuts 
It's like it, it all kind of like makes sense like once you start playing it, and it's actually very Zelda like in a lot of ways. Like especially with a with like a link to the past, uh, except you're fighting fire instead of fighting like you know soldiers and like you know and Doctor Rocks and things like that. So um, it's it's really interesting and really cool. Um, you know what? Um, it reminds me of this game. Do you ever hear of a game called The Ignition Factor? Yes, I have heard of that. Yeah, it's on Super Nintendo too. It was by Jalico. It was actually called Firefighting in Japan, but it was kind of a similar setup where the the player controlled character fights different fires in different scenarios, and you can use different ways to put them out. And it was a pretty cool game at the time too. I, I guess um, just because that game was out, the firemen never really saw an opportunity to get seat release or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this game was kind of cool. I haven't played it in years though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely worth worth checking out. Like if you know if you have like a chance to you know to see it and everything. So it's uh it's really cool. And um, aside from that too, like I also got to play uh, some. Uh, some moonwalker as well like you know so some michael jackson's moonwalker on the genesis and uh it, it, this is like a, just like a really fun game it's like a side-scrolling platformer like actual platformer basically uh is going around just kind of like you know just kicking sparkles like into into people's faces and like you know and, and, and like mm-hmm. dancing and make everyone else kind of do like uh do like smooth criminal dance and everything um you know as they're you know as you're kind of like uh clearing out stages and saving children and things like that so you kind of yell out michael and like you're doing your <laughs> like an all the genesis kind of like a uh, crunchy kind of sound um you know goodness there so uh uh, so, you know, so really, really cool. And I'll definitely have more retro games to kind of talk about that I've been playing, especially as I kind of dive, you know, dive deeper into the uh, the SNES catalog and, or the, S, you know, the the catalog of retro games. Basically, I'm adding into my SNES Classic uh, like on there. So definitely stay tuned for that uh, for future episodes. But uh, before we move on with the rest of the show, I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, so this is for Karma Incarnation 1. So uh, this is a game I actually specifically picked out from my list of uh, codes since it is like a love story, actually. Uh, so this original adventure game explores a love story between two beautiful souls through ingenious humor and a bizarre hand-drawn frame-by-frame animation style. Our hero's beloved has been abducted by evil spirits, and the only way to reunite them is to reincarnate himself as a dragon to defeat evil. But something has gone wrong, and his soul is reborn as a worm named Pip. Now Pip must overcome the challenges of a surreal world, solve mind-bending puzzles, and save his love. Choosing between good and evil, Pip learns the laws of karma, and his choices define the outcome of the game. So definitely a game that kind of like drives home like you know choice, and uh, certainly wants to kind of get you know get you to, to feel the feels, if you will. Uh, so this is on Steam. So the Steam code is K Z P Y F. T Y five E W five J Y G eight. Again, that is Karma Incarnation One on Steam. Enjoy. So, with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot for better or for worse in the pantheons of history. So, to start us off, and uh, you know, again, this being like a love theme Valentine's episode and everything, uh, we'll start off with Final Fantasy Eight. So, this is a 1999 role-playing game by Square. It is the first game in the franchise to have realistically proportioned characters consistently and do away with magic points for spellcasting. It was the fastest-selling game in the franchise before the multi-platform release of Final Fantasy XIII. And American localization specialist Alexander Smith stated due to a lack of communication with the development team, they were surprised that, on, that an IT employee used a game shark to access text files for localizing to Western audiences, which could... Speak volumes, honestly, with some of the localization that you'll sometimes see, especially with like you know with all these uh, text-heavy RPGs and everything. So it's uh, it, it's, it's it's interesting to kind of you know hear that uh, bit of like story that you know, went into like the localization of this game. Um, so Nick Laurie, like you know, have you guys like played this game? 
Um, I have played Final Fantasy VIII, and honestly, I didn't care for it at all. I've always been a big fan of Final Fantasy VII, um, and then after playing seven and trying to play eight, I just couldn't really get into it. I thought the I didn't think the characters were nearly as interesting. I didn't think the the love story was as good, and I didn't think the the bosses were really as epic. So it was, I just felt the whole thing was kind of lackluster. So this is actually one that I missed. Um, Nick actually introduced me to the um, Final Fantasy series, believe it or not. And um, I absolutely loved 7 and I loved 10 and 8 was one we skipped and probably it was because he didn't really care for it very much. But as I'm kind of like looking over it, it's something that it looks like I might possibly interested in. We definitely have different opinions as to which games are great and which ones are not. So it should be something that I should put on my list of things to play. Yeah, something for 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 like the backlog, I guess. Anyway, like yeah, and, 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 and you know, especially if you do enjoy love stories. I mean, this this mm-hmm. is something that really kind of drives home the idea of like love triangles, the drama that kind of ensues from that and everything. Um, I've I've never personally played through the game myself. Like I've I've gone through like bits and pieces of it, just like over friends' houses and stuff. But uh, I've never played through it like you know from beginning to end. Uh, but this is like one of those like Final Fantasy games that like always has its lovers and its haters, if you will. Uh, you know, the, the kind of depends on whether or not it, I guess it like, hits home for you. So yeah, I, actually, I've never played it. Because, I mean, I remember I went through Final Fantasy VII and everything like that, and I was on such a high from that series, I never really mm-hmm. got back into it. You know, it's one of those things like, well, how can I beat this game? You know, Aerith was in it, you know, but Final <laughs> Fantasy VIII, I, I never got into that or nine. You know, I, I found it a bit perplexing. I never really got back into those games. I think because I found other great games at the time, like Final Fantasy Origins. I couldn't get enough of Final Fantasy Origins. So yeah. it's just one of those weird instances where I just, didn't get into it. I, I, I maybe I'm like Nick. I may be like you know. I liked other Final Fantasy games so much. I didn't know why to get into this one. I don't know. I mean, you were never really much of a uh, you know of an RPG fan anyway, though, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Secret of Mana, I could do, but that's more of like an action based RPG. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So, but yeah. like, if you're talking about like these kind of like hardcore RPGs, like where it's like you know turn based and like you know and then you know yeah. and everything that kind of comes with that, uh, it, it it can be a little trickier sometimes getting you know to get into it if you're not already invested in that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like more of more of my thing as well. Like, and, and also the fact that I didn't have a PS One at the time anyway. So, right. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool though. Um, but one game I definitely played a whole lot of though is Max Payne Two, which is next on our stage of history. Uh, so this is a 2003 third-person shooter by Remedy Entertainment. Before the game's release, Remedy sold the Max Payne rights to Take Two Interactive for ten million dollars. Poor sales of Max Payne Two left the franchise dormant until the 2012 release of Max Payne Three. And the end credits play the Poets of the Fall song Late Goodbye, the lyrics of which were based on a poem by game writer Sam Lake. And Sam Lake, if, uh, if you know, also like a fun fact, if you don't know, was actually the face of Max Payne in Max Payne 1. And, uh, they, they, you know, they, like, replaced him with, uh, you know, with, like, an actual actor for Max Payne 2 and everything. But, uh, <laughs> it, like, that, that one, like, you know, stone-cold, like, constipated face, basically, they have in Max <laughs> Payne 1, that is Sam Lake's face, basically. So it's a uh, it's pretty cool, like, little fact there. But um, I, I love the hell out of the Max Payne series. And Max Payne 2, I just love uh, unconditionally. Um, this, this is, like, one of those franchises that... I feel like it's very rare in the fact that it's only gotten better with each iteration that's come out. Like I love Max Payne one, Max Payne two, I thought was like such a big leap above it. And then Max Payne three, I thought like, yeah, it was, you know, it was like so much better even like just cause they were kind of like able to improve on a lot of things and just, you know, modernize it and just, you know, still keep the heart of the franchise, but you know, with, uh, with modern controls and graphics and everything. And, um, 
yeah, with like Max Payne two, like you know, like the reason why I put it in here actually is because there is that love story with uh, with Mo- with Mona Sachs and Max, uh, like in there, and the you know the way it ends is uh, pretty tragic in a lot of ways, almost almost Romeo and Juliet like. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really I was blown away by. It. I actually just rediscovered it on um, PlayStation Four because it's part of its uh, PS two to PS four release lineup. That's right, and it's still a lot of fun. I still think Max Payne three went miles ahead of it. Especially when, like, you're doing the slow-mo shot and you're filling an opponent with, like, nine bullets. You know, that's always fun. But um, Max Payne 2 really did move it up a notch from the original Max Payne. I thought it was a a really great sequel. And I think it helped um, Rockstar Games in its prime when it was still coming off that high with Grand Theft Auto 3 really escalate to another level before the PlayStation 3 came out, obviously. But it it was just really a lot of fun. And I highly recommend it to people to check it out. I mean, it's pretty cheap on PlayStation 4. It's well, well worth the investment, I think. Very cool. How about you there, Nick and Lori? Um, I remember playing uh, Max Payne and Max Payne 2 quite a lot when I was a kid. Uh, it was actually one of my first, one of my favorite first-person shooters from the PlayStation 2 era, and I think it was really one of the first games that maximized bullet time um, and really um, promoted a, an incredibly fast-paced first-person shooting experience on a well, popularized uh, that for sure. Like you know, like with the whole slow motion, like bullet time and all that stuff. And I, I think. I, I, like I could be wrong, but like I think the first Max Payne came out before the Matrix, so like this kind of mm-hmm. popularized the whole slow mo like you know bullet time thing. Uh, at least like for uh, Western audiences and everything, because obviously with Eastern audiences there was more like the, you know the, like the John Woo movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's a series that I don't have any experience with at all. Uh, but I'm not really huge into first-person shooters. And there was a long period of time that I didn't have a system where I wasn't playing. And it was around this time frame. So I'm obviously not surprised that I, yeah. <laughs> I never got into it. I'm aware of it, but I just never got into to mm. playing it. I don't know. I don't know if the fact that it's actually a, um, a third-person shooter. I don't know if that like makes any difference as far as like your your interest in it whatsoever. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. I just, as as far as shooters go in general, I either love it or I hate it. It's just, mm. it's not my jam. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's very much of a, um, I don't know, kind of like a, de- like a depressing series in a lot of ways, because like Max Payne himself like it, is, yeah. is a, a very depressing character, and like, he has all these kind of like inner monologues, and like, um, you know, it's kind of That aspect like, I like, though. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. If, if you like kind of like that hard-boiled, like down in his luck kind of detective story, basically, like that, that's, yeah. basically, that's basically Max Payne, more or less, but like with like the John Woo style, like Matrix, like slow-mo dives and bullet, you know, bullet times and all that stuff. So uh, it, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's very hard-boiled, I guess, in that sense. Mm-hmm. It does have a very, uh, a few scenes that definitely stick with you as you like, as you live your life, though, I definitely still remember being uh, creeped out by the chasing the baby screams in the trail oh, of blood. Yeah, yeah, that was, that, was, <laughs> that, 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 that was in the um, in the first game, but like you you do kind of revisit it in the second game, like with um, like where you, you basically kind of go back into his memory of him being in his house and with the whole thing going on with like druggies like getting into his house and killing like his family basically and he comes home late and he's like honey where are you and like you know reliving that whole experience uh, i think in max Payne 2 i'm pretty sure um but yeah it's really interesting kind of seeing him still battle with those memories and at the same time um being conflicted with his uh with his newfound feelings for mona Sachs and everything uh which is uh why it's it's kind of like a love tale i guess in a sense it's a tragic love tale really <laughs> um in a lot of ways but uh, it's definitely one like kind of check out if you're uh kind 
of like into that uh i guess you know hard-boiled third-person shooter type of uh, type of action mm-hmm. so um so that's gonna lead us now to obscura and for obscura i wanted to choose a, a really weird valentine's day sort of game the only game i could really come up with was natsume's tulip uh this game came out in 2007 for the playstation 2 originally it was in 2002 japan it's an adventure simulation game in which the player must improve the hero's reputation in the community of long life town by kissing its various citizens okay uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's that kind of game uh chill puts player in the role of a young man who had just moved to a new town in next door to the girl of his dreams although she wants nothing to do with him due to his family's poor economic status he decides to write her a heartfelt love letter and when the letter is stolen it's up to him to travel around the village and retrieve all the pieces by kissing people i guess i know i never it's just really but the gameplay revolves around improving the player's reputation with the citizens in order to access all parts of the town and i guess that's where the uh the kissing comes in I, uh, it was directed so. by yoshiru kimura who's a former employee of love delic okay that makes sense uh kimura wants the game's <laughs> focus he wanted the game's focus to be kissing in public which is a more western accepted custom within a japanese setting uh which that's it, true, it's yeah. weird it's weird now the game didn't really do that well it suffered dismal sales and people found like the, the mechanics in the game to be tedious because i guess they got tired of kissing people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really bizarre game and i know it's kind of rare these games these days and everything like that but i don't think i've ever heard of a game where the the core mechanic was about kissing you know, uh, I don't even think Dream Daddy is like that. I think Dream Daddy's <laughs> wooing the partner of your dreams and not kissing them. You know, so I don't know. You know, it's yeah. well, Dream you Daddy know, goes into like whole other levels for sure. Like as far as like what's like socially acceptable with like a PDA, I guess we'll say. Um, but uh, I, like I was, I was actually, I was actually kind of curious when you first mentioned this, this game to me, Robert. Like if it was a Japanese exclusive game, and it almost was because it came out yeah. to the states five years after its Japanese release, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, it, was, it was by Natsume. Like I, I, like I know Natsume did, did, um, did like the publishing for it here in the States. Um, and then five years after that, 2012, is when it came to, uh, to, to the States through PlayStation Network. I believe that's through, through uh, PS3. PlayStation 3, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's kind of weird. You know, like, to certain people, it has that appeal and everything I get, but it, it's just bizarre. It's almost like Kimura wanted to go for a love story but with a more traditional setting in Japan and everything like that. But... I don't know. It's almost like the styles didn't really mesh well. And, and also, you know, some people got tired of, why, why am I kissing this person? Why don't I just walk past? Oh, I got to kiss them. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I go? Thank you. You're right. surprised they didn't get mono. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of chapstick. So right. I'm surprised chapstick didn't sponsor this game. Seriously. It's hardcore um, mode. It's a, it's a hardcore yeah. level. Like that. <laughs> but, I mean, not to me, they, they do a good job of porting over games to the U.S. Obviously, we've had, like, not to me on the show in the past and everything with Wild Guns Reloaded. And That's right. All, yeah. all those um, River City Ransom games. But this one was kind of a bizarre one that, I don't know, it's one of those situations, like, if it stayed in Japan, we probably wouldn't have missed it too much. But it is kind of curious that Natsume decided to give it a chance. Um, but, I mean, it just goes to show that not every idea goes over smoothly and everything like that. Plus, if I really have to move to a town where I got to kiss everybody, uh, <laughs> it's part of the custom. It's part of the custom, man. <laughs> I'll work at home. If you deliver me a pizza, don't kiss me. Thank right. You. I just, want... <laughs> I just had a curiosity. Uh, you know, Googled some of the images for Chulip, and one of the things that came up was actually like a chapstick that's called Chulip. And then from there was like 
the explanation of what it means. So it's like a play on the Japanese word for tulip. It combines the sound oh. of a kiss, which they think is chew, and then lip. So there's actually a lip balm that's called tulip lip balm. Interesting. Mm. Okay. The more you know right there. So <laughs> um, that's really cool. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's Obscura, and that's really a weird game. Uh, and ironically, when it did get released, it was a GameStop exclusive title. This was the beginning of um, GameStop's run of certain exclusive titles, like Song of the Deep and stuff like that. So okay. uh, it didn't really sell that well for him, though. So I guess Natsume kind of backed out of the program, and GameStop went with other games. Instead. Obviously, he stuffed through their um, Congregate program and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, this game's kind of bizarre, and I wanted to talk about it, but... I can see why it wasn't that big a hit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly lives up to uh, you know to, to being part of uh, of like of like Obscura in this case because you know n- you know n- neither me Nick or Lori like ever like heard of this game like before you mentioned Mm-mm. it. There, no, so, so it, it's a really really cool one and, uh, and definitely worthy of, uh, of of the Obscura list there. So, uh, so that's going to lead us now into our main topic here, which is going to be talking about our favorite couples and love stories in retro gaming. So, uh, yeah, so. I figure, like, uh, you know, with with you guys being like our resident couple here, <laughs> like you know, with, with, with Nick and Laura here, uh, and everything, and, and everything, exactly, <laughs> and yeah. everything, yeah, it's like an everything bagel, and, and everything you, bagel, exactly, <laughs> sesame, everything else. So, um, so uh, I was kind of curious on what what each of you think, uh, or like, I guess I don't know, like, is there like one definitive um, love story in video games that you that, you know that you both are absolutely in love with? Um, I, I mean, like that's hard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd have to say probably you know Titus and Yuna in Final Fantasy yeah. X. Okay, me too. There you go. That's not fair. You stole yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 like the one defining one, I guess. Like for for you both and everything. Like like is there like a like a specific reason, I guess, like a why why that particular relationship uh, kind of like speaks to you? I just felt it was so in depth and it was tragic at the same time, and it it had like all aspects. You know, it wasn't just a fluffy love story where you know, so and so goes to catch the you know the woman of his dreams and it's done. It's just it's so deep and there's so many layers and it just makes you feel things that you may possibly even feel like in a in a real relationship. So I just love that it was a little dark. I guess. Okay. Yeah. The um, the like Final Fantasy series has always been pretty good as far as communicating like the types of um i guess like romantic relationships that go beyond like just like your typical love story basically like mm-hmm. especially if you're used you know you know with us being like in the west and everything like you know in the states and everything uh you know there's obviously the end everything podcast uh with um, <laughs> with with this you know with us being like in the states and having like you know with like Hollywood stories with like very cookie cutter sort of like love stories and everything to them. Like people acting very one dimensionally, either mm-hmm. they love them or they hate them or like, you know, it, it's all goes by the same beats and everything. It is, it is pretty cool to see games like, you know, like with Final Fantasy 10, uh, actually kind of get into, um, it's kind of different twists and turns as far as like what you can do with a love story. And, uh, this is like, you know, this is certainly one of them. And obviously like another one too, like, you know, with, uh, uh, with uh, Cloud and Eris, and like how that whole thing, like you know, kind of turns out, and like how that whole big twist, like you know, with uh, you know, with, with you know, spoiler alert, with Sephiroth killing Eris and everything. Right. Um, it was like, <laughs> the, 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 that, that was that was the big bombshell, obviously, like when that happened and people experiencing that for the first time. Um, you know, because you just kind of figure it's like, oh, like you know, these two are obviously growing, you know, growing close together. They're obviously going to be like, you know, the couple at the end of the story. Oh wait, nope. 
halt you know, it's like stop right. that like that's that's just not going to happen anymore and uh, there, there's no way that you can avoid it either which is uh, which is amazing so square has always been like very uh, very good as far as like how they i guess like handle that too like even um like you know like another another square game too and obviously like you know, my, you know with my favorite game of all time as i mentioned before uh, with chrono trigger uh even between chrono and marley in uh you know in that game uh, th- there is like a love story between those, but that it's, it's a very, very, very understated love story. Um, uh, you know, again, like spoiler, but with like Chrono dying and everything, and Marley kind of being like a big, uh, I don't know, kind of like a big driving force, t- you know, like towards trying to bring Chrono back to life through like the time egg and all that stuff. Um, there's no real moment where they kind of like embrace and kiss and everything. Like I, I guess like the closest you ca- you kind of have to that is when you do like the traditional ending and you see Chrono and Marley like just hanging on the balloons like over the Millennial Fair and everything. Uh, it's I don't it, it's th- that's kind of like the, I guess like the closest to like an absolute romantic ending between the two in that sense um but yeah like i, I was, was kind of curious i guess like uh you know i guess to start off with uh with laurie and then nick uh what is like one love story that you feel truly connected with you specifically as you know and not kind of take like the other into consideration oh my goodness um i mean well you guys know nobody else does uh that's listening but i'm obviously a huge zelda fan um mm-hmm. and i have always just loved that that continuous connection because it's it's never ending i think that's something that i i love about it it's always a it's always another chapter Mm. well especially too like with each zelda game not even being within the same timeline really yeah yeah (laughs) it's pretty interesting to kind of see i guess um you know with like the different ways that they will tackle uh you know with like link and zelda's relationship and you know even with different uh them being kind of like at different ages as well like with uh with ocarina of time like with them meeting each other as as, uh, children more or less um you know and then having to kind of like work together and uh you know, as, as well as like you know, having having like the feelings like towards each other, but also almost kind of having more of like a professional relationship in some ways. Yes. Like when they're older, That's and like true. it's like we gotta save the world. We we can't have time for all this lovey dovey crap. You yeah, know? like we, we just got <laughs> to do whatever we can to stop Ganon and all this stuff. Um, so so, so, so Nick, I, I was I wasn't sure if there was like one that kind of pops into mind for you specifically. Yeah, for mine, um, it's a little bit more obscure, um, and it, it's very retro, but not retro um, in the console sense that most people think. Uh, but mine is definitely uh, between Jim Rayner and Sarah Kerrigan from the StarCraft franchise, oh, which okay. takes place over you know twenty years as far as you know between the original StarCraft and the the last game um, that just came out a couple of years ago. Uh, and they you know they meet each other and they basically hate each other, but they have to work together. Um, and then they end up falling in love, and then they get ripped apart. And you know, Jim Rayner is obviously a human. Um, they're both humans, but then Sarah Kerrigan gets turned into basically the Zerg Queen, and they're basically enemies uh, for the rest of the franchise. Um, and then they finally have to come back together um, and work together, even though you know she's like an alien. So it, it's a really weird, interesting love story that that doesn't necessarily end happily ever after. Um, and it's just it's different than most of the other ones out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like to to have, I don't know, like it, it actually, uh, you know, the kind of to, you know to reference comics there, uh, like it, it actually kind of reminds me a bit of the Flashpoint Batman story where you have uh, like you know, instead of um, instead of Thomas and Martha Wayne dying, it's actually Bruce who dies, and so Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, but Martha becomes the Joker of that universe. And so, you know, even though they were a couple and were in love and everything, now they're at odds with, with each other in that sense. But um, Robert, I wasn't sure if there was like something that kind of came to mind for you as far as like favorite love stories and couples. 
I'm not really much of a love story guy, but I do have a couple of interesting ones. <laughs> you got yeah. soft heart in there. You don't Single forever. <laughs> <laughs> but I have two. I have a I have a, a modern day one, and I have a retro one. Just okay. for the sake of argument. For the modern day one, uh, you and the Collective Cube in the Portal series. Okay. Yeah. That's a bit weird. <laughs> think about it. The connection you have with a companion cube throughout your game, and then you have to sacrifice it at the around the, the conclusion of Portal. That's heartbreaking. Mm. It's absolutely you know devastating when that happens. And then Portal Two came out, and then at the end, I'm sorry, Spoiler City. But at the end of Portal Two, you make it to the surface, and then right behind you, guess what? The companion cube. There and to the end. Greatest, <laughs> the greatest endings ever. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I thought that was a great little story, even though it, it, it's a different kind of love than, you know, whatever happened in Final Fantasy X, whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> a human uh, and my the human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a man in his cube or a woman in but the retro one, I, I thought this was kind of fascinating. Dirk the Daring and Princess Daphne from Dragon's Lair. Oh, yeah, of course. Of um, course. <laughs> I, I thought this was really cool. Well, I'm a fan of the Dragon's Lair series to begin with. But let's talk about how it builds up. Uh, the original uh, – spoiler city, by the way. Sorry. Uh, the original <laughs> Dragon's Lair, obviously he meets Daphne. Daphne's like, I'm trapped in this thing. And, you know, kill the dragon. And he does. And they fall in love. Uh, the beginning of Dragon's Lair 2, they have like 20 kids. And a mother-in-law who's very angry when she gets kidnapped by Mordrock. And Dirk goes after her, risking life and limb through all these time eras. You know, he goes through Eden. He goes Beethoven's studio, all this stuff. He finally gets there. And then Mordrock transforms her into an enormous beast that tries to eat him. But at all costs, he, he you know, he fights to get this dreaded ring off her finger and change her back to normal. He defeats Mordrock. And then he thinks... I, the final four minutes of the game are phenomenal. Like he, he tries to kiss Daphne to wake her up and everything. And he's crushed. He's absolutely crushed, getting mad at bats, trying to just fight them off out of sheer anger. And then Daphne recovers and everything. And then the two have their heartwarming moment and they go back home. Uh, it, the, the final four minutes of Dragon's Lair 2 are amazing. Uh, if you've never played it, you know, you could probably just play the Dragon's Lair trilogy on PS4. That really oh, covers yeah. the whole spectrum for you, along with Space Ace, because, you know, that's that's not love. That's just Kimberly flirting with a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think those two stories really stand out for me. Uh, and David, I want to I ask you here. Are you going to mention Guybrush Dreepwood and Elaine Marley? <laughs> I, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, I, I do like the the, um, the Secret of Monkey Island series. Uh, you know specifically the um, the first two games for sure, um, but yeah, I I do like that love story. But like it, it never really uh, I guess came came across to me as like one of the definitive ones in my mind. Um, I, I honestly like I, you know I, I always like seeing Chrono and Marley together, and I you know whenever I would have. Uh, like, like which, whichever girlfriend I had at the time, like when that game came out, like on the Super Nintendo, was usually who I named Marley after. Like whenever I would do like, another <laughs> playthrough of that game, over and over, yeah. Like it, it was, it, you know, I was, I was a love struck fool all throughout. It still am. Uh, but um, we did have like a bunch of like uh, of listener responses here actually, and so I, I kind of um, you know just reduce it down to like some notable ones here. Uh, starting off with Tristan Haywood. Who simply shows a picture of uh, of uh, of like Aladdin and Jasmine flying on the magic carpet ride in the Aladdin game, which is for uh, Genesis and Super Nintendo. Um, so yeah, you know that's obviously a good you know a good one. Like anything that's based on like the Disney films, certainly a lot of the Disney films have love stories to them, so you can't really go wrong with that. Uh, especially when you think of like a whole new world and everything, so you can't really go wrong with that either. Um, there's also Randall and Kaleli, who brings up a really good one here: is Otacon and Sniper Wolf. Uh, which, if you play through the, the Metal Gear Solid games, like I think I think it was Metal Gear Solid One, maybe I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, it, there was that battle with Sniper Wolf, in which case 
there's a point where Sniper Wolf does is like kind of like bleeding on the ground or whatever, and Nauticon kind of shows up and says that he loves her and like all this stuff. And um, yeah, that, that, that was kind of like an interesting one, especially with how Otacon is very much of the nerd, the nerd's nerd, if you will. Um, he's very like socially awkward, just like not able to, I guess, can kind of convey his feelings for someone unless there is the, that kind of like dire situation where like they are going to die. And that is something that, uh, you know, that he kind of has to get off his chest, I guess, in that sense. Um, and the, you know, to kind of like piggyback off of Laura here, Eric Sweeten says probably Zelda and Link. Back when Link was a man before Breath of the Wild, so <laughs> you gotta have him, you, you gotta have him as men. Troll, right? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess like with um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of to discount you know as I mentioned there with Ocarina of Time with them being children and everything, but there is no puppy love in uh, in, in Eric Sweeten's life. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to to piggyback off of uh, off of Robert now, uh, there's Joey Campo who says Chell and the Companion Cube. So Chell is actually the name of the woman who you play as in uh, in, in the Portal series. Well, I knew that. I was just uh, saying. Well, well, this book is more of the companion cube, David. You know, love doesn't eat names and exactly. everything. Okay, <laughs> and everything exactly. Yeah, and it's love, a first-person shooter anyway. So you, you know, you can just pretend you're, you know, you're Chell. Exactly, that's true. Yeah, the, the, there's no voice like from Chell or anything, so you you could easily convey it being like you know, man, woman, black, white, whoever. So, uh, so obviously, so uh, and <laughs> this is a pretty good one to kind of end on with uh, Gareth Shields, who says Cloud and Sephiroth, because obviously <laughs> Sephiroth was so jealous of Aeris <laughs> like that. that he had to kill her, and so like because because I, I I like to imagine now like in my mind like whenever you see that that iconic scene with like with Sephiroth coming down from the sky, plunging the sword into Aeris, and he says like my man, bitch. <laughs> so i i I could totally see that being being the case now and now that is my head canon as far as final fantasy 7 is concerned (laughs) something you can't unsee uh-uh. Nope, absolutely, absolutely. So that's uh, that's pretty much our main topic right there. So let us know what what were your favorite uh, you know favorite love stories, favorite couples in gaming. Uh, you know th- either through email or or through Twitter. Uh, you could e- you know you can reach us on Twitter at Arg Podcast or an email argcast at retrozap.com. And uh, so yeah, before we move on with the rest of the show, I believe Robert has a game code to give away. I certainly do. It's from Minecraft Story Code or yeah, Story Code with them. I got hot wings on the brain already. Micro <laughs> Minecraft Story Mode Season 2 uh, code for Steam. Uh, obviously, this is the continuation of Telltale Games' uh, episodic series based on Mojang's popular Minecraft series. It features a number of different characters that you will deal with. You will make decisions over the course of the game. And they also has quick time events so you can get through like certain action scenarios. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, and then an extra code to give away. Uh, it is for Steam, and it is PVX8XQTG. Z7H9X54. So that is for Minecraft Story Mode Season 2 on Steam. Enjoy. Absolutely. So now we're going to go into the part of the show called Random Selects. So this is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character I am this week. Uh, so this is basically going to be uh, you know just all yes or no questions. Uh, after the fifth round of questions, there'll be actually well, like, I guess like since there are you know there, there's going to be three of you here, uh, we'll we'll kind of have it like where you're all kind of like working as a team to try to guess like who I am and everything. So that works. we'll have it uh, after uh, after like the fifth question, I'll give the first hint. After the tenth uh, question, I'll give a second hint. And if after fifteen questions you don't guess which character I am, it is game over. So. With that, uh, I guess so. You know, whoever wants to start off with the first yes or no question, you can go right ahead. Are you human? Yes. You don't kiss people in your town, do you? 
<laughs> Did you just waste a question? <laughs> no, 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 don't, never mind. Don't tell me. It's a guess. <laughs> um, were you originally introduced in the NES era? No. Do you use a weapon? No. Are you male? Yes. Hmm. Let's see. Were you introduced in the PlayStation era? Yes. So that's question five right there. So the first hint is I love anime. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Rob is going to ask, are you David Giltonen? (laughs) (laughs) Are you Evan Borgall? (laughs) (laughs) That's true, too. Yeah. Do you have spiky hair? It's anime, really? (laughs) (laughs) No, there are fans with normal hair. I I, I don't have spiky hair, no. Are you in a fighting game? No. I'm trying to think of something that's actually going to matter. Um. (laughs) I guess I, I, I guess we can go over like what we know so far. So uh, we know that I originated from the PlayStation era. Um, I am male, human. Uh, don't have spiky hair. <laughs> I <laughs> love anime, despite not having spiky hair. Uh, and I don't use a weapon. Hmm. Mind if I go real quick? Yeah. Do it. Do you rap? Do I rap? No. <sighs> I was like Parappa's right there. Yeah, <laughs> not, not Parappa the rapper. <laughs> Do you work alone? Do you have a sidekick? I don't know how I want to phrase this. Is it just? Is it just you? You don't have any buddies that are helping you? No. Yes, it's just you. Uh, no, it's not just me. I do, I do work with people, although I do work I'll, – I'll give you a slight, slight hint in that, in, the, in that answer. I work with a very specific somebody. Hmm. Like anime, and you have a partner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a very, a very, a very prominent partner, we'll say. Someone... Are you in a Are you in a role playing game? No. Are you in a platformer? No. So that's question ten. So the second hint here is: it's never a good sign if I scream your name. Huh. It's never a good sign if I scream your name. Oh, wow. Um, somebody's typing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's mm, type screaming my name. Who could it be? <laughs> mm, wow. This is actually a pretty good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's see. It's never a good sign if you scream my name. They love anime, not a role-playing game. Um... I should I, I should iterate too, and this is like something that that's kind of like an, an unspoken rule. Really, we always pick characters who are either mentioned or their games are mentioned anyway in the episode that we're recording. So, hmm. mm. um... it's always an unspoken rule, but yes, <laughs> right. Um... Hmm. You're never alone. I'm thinking. Um, I'm never alone in the sense that I don't have a partner. Right, right, right. So, um, <laughs> scream your name. Uh, <laughs> all the you... search 
going on. Do you wear a hat or any type of headgear? No. Hmm. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I feel like we didn't talk a lot of place about a lot of PlayStation One games. I know we did. Um, I know he's not Tulip because Tulip. Mm-hmm. Was- I thought of that too. Uh, like, no. uh, <laughs> um. Do you have camouflage gear? No, I don't. Do you have a? Do you have a pair of twin pistols? No. Damn it! I thought it was. Which no, you said you is, don't use a weapon, yeah, right? Yeah. Which uh, I'll, 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 I will I will give you that, Robert, because I'll I'll, I'll let that be a freebie because uh, yeah, this is a bit of a tricky one, but I'm not as as obscure as Chulip. I'll say that. So. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't help, right? <laughs> because but, no one's as obscure as Chulip. But I I will say this: Nick is on the right track with his last question. What did you ask about? Camouflage. No, camouflage. Hmm. Dang it, I can't think of a good love story that involves camouflage. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking it's from somebody from Metal Gear. Oh, wow. Um, Is that your question? Or? Uh, I was just uh, letting well. Robert know. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> um, he loves anime. Ugh, wow. <laughs> oh. And I got the neighbors singing behind me. I'm sorry. I give up. Um, Are they singing about not screaming? It's not a good thing if you okay. if they scream your name <laughs> behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. By the way, that's not a question. By the way, um, I I think I know go for the answer. It. Might as well. Uh, and well, I can't remember her name. I need I need a sec. Oh, are you? No, uh, I can't her. It's a he. It's a he. Oh, it's a yeah. he. It's a he. Yeah. Oh. So right back to the. <laughs> okay. oh. Well then, this changes everything. Yeah, shit. <laughs> I'm out. That's why you ask those questions first, because then you can eliminate so many. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Man. But do you like talk said, on a codex? I do. Oh. Well, go ahead, Lori. <laughs> no, I just I love like watching him work. It, it's, it still blows my mind. It could be not even in the realm of oh, is it this? And like, how how did you arrive at, at such a conclusion? <laughs> it's the uh, it's definitely the the journalist and the mm. <laughs> investigative journalist. In him. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, except I don't know the journalist. <laughs> I'm thinking the only one I can, the only thing I, I can, the only journalist I can think of is like Gary McGolden. I don't know. <laughs> just guess because you know if we get it wrong and it's simply oh it's solid snake. <laughs> but I, I do speak on a codex, so that's a pretty huge hint right there. Mm-hmm. And he likes anime, so mm-hmm. you must have been going somewhere with that. Where did that go? <laughs> um, are you a colonel? No. Mm. So last last question here, and it has to be the guess. So, so we're on the final question here. Yeah, you're not helping. Yeah. <laughs> um, hang on a second. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Damn it, it's right there in the tip of my tongue. So audio issue here. Gotta love that. But Nick then guesses Otacon from Metal Gear Solid. Yes, I am Otacon. Yes. <laughs> the last one right there, Otacon. Nice job, nice job, and even uh, even with with Otacon's name, actually, his, his, his like the, like the name Otacon actually comes from the name of, of an anime convention because it stands for uh, for otaku convention, basically. So, <laughs> okay, I, I'm out of here. That that was the very last one. 
I'm yeah. actually surprised that, that we got that. I mean, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I, I thought we were going to have like the first ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Well, I would have had to come up with a, with a whole new sound effect for that one. So. <laughs> I thought I thought Otacon used um, the camo gear in Metal Gear Solid 1 at one point. Um, That's why I asked that he? question. Okay, I, I wasn't 100% sure with that one. Because I, 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 I was kind of assuming that you were thinking of... Um, of like solid snake, and I, I didn't remember any time when he used like you know use camo gear, but he probably did. He probably did just kind of explain like why. Yeah. Because I, I know there was like the moment like where he visits you and when, when you're captured and like tortured and everything, and I mm-hmm. believe yeah I think when the guards aren't looking. Um. So yeah. Okay. So I, I guess you were right in that sense. So yeah. So it was my mistake. I, I think there were only three characters that actually screamed your name when you died. Um. That would have been Otacon, Merrill, or uh. Colonel, Colonel Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, okay, so you were kind of, like, stuck between, like, those three, but I guess, like, Otacon was kind of, like, off your radar after the um, the camo yeah, scene. Yeah. So it, it was my mm-hmm. bad in that sense, because well, I didn't know as much about Otacon. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're fired. Get out. <laughs> 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 so it, it was a really good job, though, guys. Like, you know, you got on the very last one, so awesome job there. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much uh, Arcast episode 97 in the books. And uh, is there anything that you guys want to kind of, like, uh, promote there, like with social media or websites or anything like that? Uh, I'm sure you want to mention with, with MMO games there, Nick. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you like, you know, MMOs or MMORPGs or just online games in general, um, please check out my site, MMOgames.com. Uh, we are, always have, uh, you know, columns, you know, whether you like Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft or whatever. And we're always hosting giveaways, too. Uh, like, I believe we've got an upcoming giveaway um, for the Closers anime game um, that just came out a couple weeks ago. Very cool. How about you there, Lori? Anything to, like, promote there? I'm just the wife and everything. Yeah. <laughs> You're everything every bagel wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like, you know, whatever. But if you see her at our trade show, she'll be like, hi, I'm e-. she should buy a shirt. Hi, I'm everything. Hi. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't have anything that I want to promote specifically related to gaming, but thank you. All right. Sure thing. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. And uh, before we close out there, David, I do want to mention a couple of things real quick. Uh, Funstock has announced a new PlayStation anthology that actually looks at the history of the original playstation and the many games that really shook up the landscape like resident evil castlevania symphony of the night you know games like that that were really cool metal gear solid why not throw it out there uh that was really cool and then another thing i wanted to mention about um there's this website called gamer.ne.jp it's obviously japan website they're talking about a nintendo switch stand and this this may be the coolest thing in the world it looks like one of those nintendo um versus sit-down cabinets you remember those sit-down red and black cabinets that were in arcades yes or you stuff like that um here's the link for the rest of you guys we'll have it on on our webpage too but it looks like a big face-to-face thing where you slot in your nintendo switch and your joy cons and it looks like you're actually sitting i mean it's not a big one so obviously it's a little micro-sized, but it's a cool little stand that resembles these classic versus arcade machines. And it's very cool. I don't know when it's going to be on sale because uh, I can't read Japanese, but apparently it's going to be coming out soon. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, I hope Nintendo makes it. That'd, that'd be great. Uh, you read uh, all the details on uh, the link on our page. Yeah. That sounds cool. Very, yeah, it's very neat looking. And uh, we'll have like the um, the link in the show notes below for sure. And uh, cer- certainly something to like, check out and... Especially like if you want to do like two on two uh, like like you know just, like competitive games in general like it's uh, it seems like the like perfect way to doing that so uh, so pretty awesome yeah uh, and yeah so like you know if you want to follow the um, you know if you want to follow the Rcast on Twitter as I mentioned there before as we were at Art Podcast same thing for Facebook we're at facebook.com slash Art Podcast and if you want to follow me on Twitter it's at the Guilty Man 
Well, follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at comicbook.com slash gaming. More audio issues. Huzzah! So basically the part that's missing here is that you want to go check out don'tfeedthegamers.com. They are a partner of ours, and they're actually run by Liana Ruppert, who we've had on the show for our Mass Effect episode, and also works over at comicbook.com along with Robert. And uh, yeah, so definitely check them out for more fan-driven gaming content. Again, that's don'tfeedthegamers.com. And, uh, yeah, if you want to, uh, you know, send us, like, any, like, questions, any, like, retro games you want us to cover or anything at all, really, you could email us at rcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially of the Star Wars variety. Uh, there is Brews and Blasters, Kanata's Castle, uh, Star, you know, uh, Skywalking Through Neverland, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels. Uh, there's also Beltway Bontas, which is really cool because it combines both Star Wars and politics. So if you're of both minds, that's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Deucecast, so if you're a big movie uh, movie fan, that's definitely the podcast for you, and those guys have been doing it for over 300 episodes, so they definitely know what they're doing over there. There's also the Animaniacast, so if you're a big Animaniacs fan, that's definitely the podcast for you. It's also Raw Paulson approved. And there's also the Tector Retro Dads, so if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the Rcast, you love the Tector Retro Dads because it covers stuff from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, not only just video games, uh, you know, also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with Rcast, uh, so be sure to check us out on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Stitcher and also Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Rcast. And I'm um, losing my voice again, so this is Rcast episode 97 in the books. And until next time, keep it retro. And everything. And everything, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Check Sam, this I'm just going to introduce myself. Yeah, this is David. He does the podcast. I'm Robert and everything. And everything, yeah. <laughs> Be like I'm like the you. business cards and everything. <laughs> tell you, you can't have that, Robert. That's mine. Yeah. Fine. Patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> you can take that and you can take the uh, Fifty Shades trilogy. Just have it. Yeah. You mentioned that. Not Just me. once. I didn't, Just for the I didn't make fun, though. You can't kill me. All I said was Fifty Stage Wings. Or 50, uh, Fifty Shades of Wings. <laughs> coming this wings, uh, Yes, I will kiss the wings. Like truly. <laughs> and happy Valentine's Day. And remember, if you're alone, so are a lot of people in this world. Don't take it down too hard. Just treat yourself to a nice lunch and everything like that. I'm sure the holiday will be over by the time this show episode. But hey, be nice to each other. Yeah. And everything. And everything. And everything. <laughs> Catch you guys later. The Set your flame and heaven in the plane, hide and seek. I can't breathe easy here, this our trails gone cold behind us. Till in the John Mirrors, there at yourself grown old and weak. We keep driving to the night. It's a late goodbye, such a late everyone this is rob and jay from the classic gaming podcast we uh play and talk about old school video games on our podcast i know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it but uh as for me i tend to prefer the old the good old point and click adventure game genre i also like strategy games i play a lot of a wide variety of stuff uh, 
Uh, as for Jay? Yeah, I'm really partial to RPGs and RTSs, so things like Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Trigger to that of StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, generally with the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.